Hello, my name is David Hicks. Thank you. Whether you're listening, you're watching a YouTube video, however it may be, thank you. I'm honored that you would do so. I feel compelled to address two of the most serious questions in life, and that is, why should I keep living? And why should I have faith? The reason I want to do this is because life gets so painful at times. It can be physical pain, spiritual pain, emotional pain, however it can be, however it is in your case or the case of someone you know, life gets painful. There have been times in my life that the, I just wanted all the pain within me to go away. You, you read about some of the most dedicated followers of God in the Bible had times in their life where they're like, Lord, just please take me now. Stick a fork in me. I'm done. I don't want to live anymore. And if that can happen to some of those dedicated followers of God, it can happen, it can happen to any of us. And maybe that's never, you've never been at that point where you've been asking yourself these kinds of questions. But you may get there. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. And so because of that, I want to try and address a question as quickly as I can, as briefly as I can, in the time allotted, not as briefly as I can, but you know what I mean. Because what I want you to know, or what I want that person you're thinking about to know, is that in Jesus, in Jesus, there is hope. The greatest hope of all is to be found in Jesus, the Son of God. First of all, in Jesus, there is the hope of the resurrection. I'll read from Acts chapter 17. The, now, I'm reading from the Bible. If you don't know anything about the Bible, one is it's not a book. It is a collection of books, a collection of writings that were meticulously copied through the years by people who recognized that these writings were from God. They were guided by God to help us get to know him, to help us follow him, to help, us, to help save us. And so they were meticulously copied through the years, remarkably well preserved, extremely accurate as compared to the original writings. And so it's you could you it's easy when to put I won't say it's easy, but I myself am convinced that I can trust what is being written. You decide that for yourself. I the book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke. And in Acts chapter 16, he, he writes um, some about Paul. He, he wrote a lot about Paul. In fact, he was one of Paul's traveling companions at times. He knew Paul personally. He, he knew Paul's whole backstory, which was he used to be known as Saul, and he used to hate followers of Jesus. He would, uh, he would hunt them down. When the, when he, he would throw them into prison. He would try and compel them to blaspheme and deny that Jesus was God's son, renounce their faith in Jesus. And if there was a vote to be cast as to whether the follower of Christ should live or die, his vote was that they should die. And in fact, the very first person who we know of that, that we're told about that died because of their faith in Jesus, Stephen, as they were stoning Stephen, they were throwing rocks at him to wound him until he died. Saul was guarding the coats of the people throwing the rocks because they couldn't wear their, throw their, the, wear their coats and throw those rocks as hard as they could at the same time. So Saul 
He guarded their code so that they could go and kill Stephen. Now, he's about to preach that Jesus is God's son and that Jesus has risen from the dead. How in the world did that happen? Because one day, as he was going to the city of Damascus to hunt down more Christians, Jesus himself appeared to Saul. In some of Saul's own writings, Paul's own writings, Paul writes about the person he used to be. And in some of those writings, he talks about, I saw Jesus. And so this Paul, who's now preaching the Lord, is in the city of Athens, Greece. And he's on Mars Hill. He's at the, in here it's written, it's called the Areopagus. And the people have, he's, He's walked around the city and he's seen all these idols, all these things built to other gods. And it's, it's, it's tore him up that they would serve all these different gods, but they're not serving the true living God. And so he's about to talk about that. Verse 22 of Acts chapter 17. Uh, just real quickly, again, for those not familiar with the Bible, mankind later took these writings and they divided up into chapters like maybe like in a novel, and they took the chapters and they divided them up into little bitty segments called verses. And so that's what I, what I mean when I say chapter and when I say verse. Acts chapter 17, verse 22, Paul says this. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and observed your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription. To an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown. I am going to proclaim to you. So the Athenians, they, they worship so many gods. They even built an altar to the unknown God. Just in case there was some God out there. Presumably. But this is why they did it. In case there was some God out there that they had, were neglecting. Hey, we don't want that God to get mad at us. So let's build that God an altar. Just to cover our bases. That's probably what they were thinking when they built that. And so Paul says, this unknown God, I'm, let me tell you about him. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. Our life, our breath comes from God, the Father. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. God, the first man he made was Adam. His wife was Eve, were all descended from them. And so from them, uh, God made mankind that we should inhabit the whole earth. Paul continues, and he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. What? When you're living, where you're living, God determine this. Could there be exceptions to that? You know, because it's kind of hard to say God determined it if you're being trafficked, you know, if you've been kidnapped or something, you know, evil like some evil like that. The, what I will say in those kinds of cases is that God is trying to take the bring good out of the evil. Uh, but why, so why, generally speaking, why would God guide the timing and the, and the place of our lives? Verse 27, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, 
we are his offspring. Why did God do this? In the hopes we would seek him. In the hopes we'd reach out for him. Cry out for him for help. And he will help. Why? Because we are his sons. We are his daughters. And it is God's hope that because of the circumstances and trials in our life that somehow, some way, we will turn to him. And so verse 29, Paul continues, Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. What does it mean to repent? That means I'm making the decision. I'm not going to live by my own ways anymore. I'm going to live by God's ways. I'm going to turn from darkness to light, from evil to good, to doing what's wrong, to doing what is right. I'm going to trust the Lord. So that's what it means to repent, to make that decision, to follow him, to obey him. All right. So God commands us all to repent. here specifically, he's talking about repenting from our idols. And even though we may not worship a physical, literal idol, uh, some sort of image of a God in life, we can take pretty much anything and make it a God to us. We can make entertainment. We can make money, power, fame, prestige, uh, just anything in this world. We can be so consumed by it. And it can have such a high place in our life that it's a God to us. And when we hear its commands, we obey it. And the God who actually created us, our actual Father, is so marginalized in our life. He's so much on the back burner that he's fallen off the stove. So though, yes, we can have our idols. And he's telling us we need to repent of this. And now he says something extremely important. Verse 31, for he has, God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man whom he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So what is Paul saying here? The one who saw Jesus after he rose from the dead is saying that Jesus is proof that there is a judgment day coming, a judgment day in which God will judge all with justice. Now, that, that could make us think, uh-oh, that could make us panic, and yeah, rightly so. But here is where the, you know, I want to explain what it means to be saved, in part. A huge part of what it means to be saved is that on this day of judgment, because when we put our faith in God, when we put our faith in Jesus, they forgive us of our sins, when we go before God, before Jesus in judgment, there's nothing to accuse us of. All our wrongdoings are forgiven, wiped away, blotted out, thrown away. We're as innocent as, as a child who, who died never knowing what about good and evil, never old enough to comprehend uh, what is right and wrong and, and able to choose between the two. That's what God does with our wrongdoings, our sins, when we put our faith in him. 
And so that come that judgment day, we will be declared not guilty. Because the one, because Jesus took the punishment. He took the beating. He took, he was crucified. He was nailed to a cross. He was tortured to death, taking the punishment for our sins. And so God can forgive us and we don't have to go through the punishment that our sins merit because Jesus took that for us. He took the beating for us. He took the hell for us. So in Jesus, there is the hope of the resurrection. And it and there's also the hope of immortality. It's not just that you rise from the dead and live for a bit and then die again. Our bodies are going to be changed in marvelous, in marvelous ways. Uh, this is Paul in his own letter to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians, uh, it, it, we call the book for the letter. We call this letter of Paul 1 Corinthians. And in the beginning of chapter 15, he, he stresses the importance of the, of the death, the, the, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus that it happened just as God promised in his writings, and that Jesus was seen by many people, including himself. And he, the reason he's doing this is because some at the church in Corinth were saying, there's no such thing as a resurrection from the dead. No one comes back to life. And so Paul is having to remind them that the heart and soul of what he taught them was that Jesus rose from the dead, and that there is going to be a resurrection of the dead. And so in verse 50, he, he's explaining more about this resurrection. He says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. You see, we're mortal. The kingdom of God, we, we come to an end. The kingdom of God is not going to come to an end. It lasts forever. So this body is not going to be able to stay in God's kingdom because this body doesn't last forever. So it's got to be changed. Uh, verse 51, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Now, that's just a, a euphemism for, for death. It's used often. It's used by Jesus himself. When we put our faith in God, Jesus' death is just like falling asleep. He says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. The great sign that judgment day has come, the resurrection has come, is that there's going to be this huge trumpet blast that all will hear. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Victory. Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Whatever you're going through, don't let it move you off of faith. If you have faith already, and if you haven't, start to have faith. Let nothing move, move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your service to Jesus Whatever you do to love Jesus, to love others, that is not in vain. It's not useless. It's not empty. It has purpose. 
death doesn't win because these mortal bodies are going to be replaced with immortal bodies. Our broken, decayed uh, bodies that get damaged beyond repair are going to be replaced with ones that nothing like that will happen to them. So it's not just a resurrection. It's the hope of immortality and finally the hope of paradise. The hope of paradise. Revelation 21 talks about it. Uh, what's going to, you know, we talked about that there's going to be a resurrection. Well, what's life going to be, and there's going to be a day of judgment? Well, what's life going to be like after this? Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is John writing. He was a very dear friend of Jesus. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He's, John's been given a vision, these revelations. He's been writing them down. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, I am the Alpha, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now let me address this last verse, and then I'll backtrack and, and talk about the others. You see, on that day of judgment, what happens if we're declared guilty? What happens if our sins aren't forgiven? Then there is this place, we call it hell, this fire lake of burning sulfur. wasn't really made for us. It was made for God's worst enemy, the devil and his angels. They suffer there. But then also those who are found guilty on judgment day, they will be assigned a place. Um in this fiery lake of burning sulfur. But you see, we can be saved from that. We can be spared from that by putting our faith in God, by putting our faith in Jesus, in, in the life that God wants to give us. No more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. In fact, God's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There's, you know, I, I take that to mean that we're still, even for a brief time, you know, after a resurrection, there's still pain that we'll carry. But at some point, very soon in the process, as we, as we weep, God will wipe away all those tears. And he will remove that pain from us, that pain that we carry inside us now. And so what's coming is so amazingly great. And, and what could come is so unimaginably awful that I am begging you I am begging you 
If you have faith in God, if you trust them at all, renew your trust, renew your determination to keep trusting them, whatever your circumstances. And if you haven't put faith in them yet, if you haven't decided to obey and follow them yet, make that decision to do so. Jesus talked uh, about what happens when we die in, in an indirect way when he was suffering on the cross. You see, what I'm reading about now is you know, what I just read to you. That's about the resurrection to come and the judgment day to come. Well, what happens in between now and then if I die? It, you know, before this resurrection comes, before this day of judgment. Well, Jesus gave a big hint as to what it's going to be like when he was dying on the cross. He was, he was as I've, I think I mentioned, he was tortured to death. And at the end of all this torturing that he went through, he was nailed to a cross. And as he was nailed to the cross, you know, people were making fun of him and, and telling him, you know, you're supposed to be the Christ, meaning Christ meant that he was the one. Uh, if you were the Christ, you were supposed to save everybody else. You were supposed to be the Savior. And so people were making fun of him, saying, if you're the Christ, why don't you save yourself? And as Jesus was dying, he was crucified between two thieves, two criminals. And we read this in verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. See, it's ironic. When Jesus was arrested, you know, all his followers abandoned him. No one stood by him. No one defended him. Until this moment when a thief, a criminal, dying on a cross right beside Jesus, who admittedly, said, I'm getting what my deeds deserve, stood up for Jesus and declared that Jesus had done nothing wrong, which was exactly right. Jesus never sinned. And yet he voluntarily died this way. He let mankind put him to death this way to take the punishment for what we do wrong. And so the, the, he just had a simple request. Jesus, when you enter your kingdom, remember, remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's what awaits. When we put our faith in God, when we put our faith in Jesus, and no matter what, we don't give up that faith. Don't give up that trust. And we keep loving God, and we keep loving Jesus, and we keep loving the people around us. Because no matter how much pain, no matter how much suffering we have to endure, what is coming is it's undescribably awesome. You see, the, the picture of our lives uh, is, if you're watching the video, I've written, uh, I've drawn a ray. If you study geometry, a ray is a point with a line out from it and an arrow on the end of the line indicating that it goes on forever. That is the perfect picture of our existence, of our lives. Right now, we are on the point. But what's coming is, is this line 
What's coming is eternity. And yet for so many people, all they know is this life. All they know is the point. And it's so easy because of all the hard things that happen in life to become so full of anger and sorrow and, and, and bitterness and just negative emotions because we have no hope that there's something after this life. Or maybe, maybe you've got a little bit of hope that there, something might happen after I die, something good might happen, but you're so caught up in this life that, that seeking God or, or putting your trust in Jesus or, or following them and making it the highest priority in your life, that's, that's, no, we're not thinking about doing that. But what I'm telling you is life is the ray. It, it's not the point. It's the point with the line that extends forever. And so what I beg you to do Okay, and, and uh, if, if you believe what I'm telling you, okay, the, in, our, in our next podcast, I'm going to address this, in light of this, what we've been talking about. The, the, the greatest hope of all found in Jesus, the resurrection, the, the immortality, the, the paradise that is to come. In light of this, what should I do? What about my anger, my pain? That's what we're going to talk about in the next podcast. And then I'll, I'll, I will tell you and reemphasize if you've never done this, please choose to believe the Father is real, God is real, and that Jesus is His Son. Repent. Make that decision to follow them, to obey them. Abandon your ways that don't matter, that are not in line with what God wants. Choose, learn to choose what God wants instead. Um, make the decision to live your life that way and be baptized. We haven't talked about it much. I'll go into more depth than that in the next video. But being baptized, you're just lowered into the water. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you're raised up. And, and in so doing, you're not doing anything. God is doing His work. God washes away your sins. He makes you a new creation. You are forgiven. You are made new. And it's just a matter of going forward from there. You won't be perfect, but God's grace, as long as you stay humble, have a penitent heart, okay? God's grace is going to keep covering you. And He's going to lead you home. I am begging you, please, do that if you haven't done so already. And if you've been thinking about giving up, whether you're talking about giving up in your life or giving up in your faith, don't. What is coming is far greater than what we're going through right now. Sometimes you have to walk through hell to get to heaven. But as we walk through hell, whether we see him or not, Jesus is there with us to get us through it. Keep trusting Him. Thank you for listening.